0: Thank you for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.
1: Um, uh, Today um, we have a guest uh, for our series to kick off this new series. And I'm excited because I'm very proud of her in, in a what, years' time, I think it's been a year, almost to the date that we, uh, we talked on the phone for the first time, um, but I've just seen significant growth in her life, and I've seen her take uh, risk and step out of her comfort zone, and this morning, she's going to take that even further, amen? And, uh, and so, I want to get this out of the way for all you who don't believe in women preachers, do not message me. I'm not going back and forth with you about it. Just get over it, okay? Um, uh, I'm, I'm just, I have to say that because y'all don't even know. I get the messages and I get people, oh, you know, you know. just don't even waste your time. I'm not going to go back and forth with you. God has called this woman to preach the gospel, and she's going to preach the gospel. Amen? And so if anybody has a problem with that, take it up with Jesus yourself. Come on, somebody. And so... uh, i'm excited this morning and uh come on up here come on up here y'all put your hands together for pastor mackenzie adams she's gonna bring the word amen you
0: guys hear me okay all right so good morning how's everybody doing today good all right so As we've just shared with all of you, we're getting ready to start a new series called Love is a Verb. Um, I'm super excited today about today's message. We're going to be focusing on worship. And just like love is a verb, worship is a verb. And um, I believe worship is very important, it's very dear to my heart, something I'm very passionate about. Um, The Lord's really given me. Uh, An exciting word to share with you all today, so I'm very excited. Um, The title of today's message is called Hallelujah. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. The beautiful thing about the word hallelujah is it means praise God. And so when you say it, you are saying praise God. But then when you tell someone else to say it, it is a call to worship. And so the very act of saying hallelujah is worship as well as a call to worship. So let's pray. Jesus thank you so much, God, for this day, Lord. Father, I thank you for everyone in this room, everyone who's joining us online and watching, Lord. God, I thank you for every single heart. Jesus, thank you for every single person, Lord. God, I thank you for your love. Jesus, thank you that you are so near to us, that you are an intentional God, a loving Father, that you desire, to walk with us every moment of the day Lord Jesus I thank you for the beautiful gift of worship and so Lord as we spend this time in your word Holy Spirit speak through me Jesus open the eyes of our heart and of our understanding bless this time in Jesus' name amen all right so if you have your Bible go ahead and turn to John chapter 4 We're going to read in verse 23 through 24. It should come up. There it is on the screen. It says, um, and I'm reading from the Passion Translation today. It says, from now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with a right heart. For God is a spirit, and he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. And so, like I said a minute ago, worship is something I'm passionate about. Um, it's definitely been something that, you know, I, I've been passionate about since I was a little kid. Um, God's definitely taught me a lot about it throughout my life. Um, worship in my day-to-day life, I wish I could say, you know, I have these beautiful moments with the Holy Spirit where I get to get up and watch the sun rise or I get to sit and watch the sunset, and it's just beautiful quiet and beautiful and heavens are opening up but in reality worship for me on a day-to-day basis is usually in my kitchen usually when I'm cleaning uh, usually with my three-year-old hanging off of me trying to compete with what worship songs are playing yelling that he wants to hear Chandler Moore or promises or Brandon Lake and so God has been teaching me how to worship where I'm at and how he wants to meet me where I'm at in my day-to-day and so Why, why is worship important? Um, You know, all throughout scripture, God has always desired to dwell with us. Worship, like I said a little bit ago, it is a verb. It's just not, it's not something that just happens on Sunday morning. There's so much more to that. It's about our relationship. It's how we can experience and express our relationship with God. And so, why is worship important for prevail? Well, I believe worship is important for Prevail because I believe that God is longing to take us deeper into the heart of worship. He's longing to take us deeper into the heart of worship. Um, It's personal. God doesn't want us just to have encounters on Sunday morning. He wants to encounter each and every one of you at church, yes, but also outside of church. You know, worship is a relationship, and like all relationships, sometimes we bring baggage into our relationships, right? And what I mean by baggage, what I'm talking about in worship, I'm meaning misconceptions, maybe misunderstanding, okay? And so, I believe God wants us to unpack some of those, how they play out in worship. Um, And so, we're going to start off with a healthy understanding of what worship is, and so, Worship is an encounter with God that leaves you changed forever. Um, So John chapter 4, verses 5 through 30, I'm going to kind of sum it up because it's a little bit of a chunk of scripture. If you're not familiar with the story, it's when Jesus appears to the Samaritan woman at the well. And this whole moment is an encounter that she had that changed her life forever. Um, And so an encounter for us, what I mean when I say an encounter for us? What would an encounter with God look like for us? Well, sometimes we might have an encounter in our minds or in our heart where God might be, um, it might be in your emotions, right? God might be pulling a lie out or pulling a lie out of um, your heart, your mind. Maybe you had a misunderstanding or false belief that he wants to set you free from. Other times it could be bigger. You could be overcome with, Great emotion because God's just pulling a lot of stuff maybe he's revealing who you are in him maybe he's revealing um, how much he loves you uh, it can be big and can manifest big like that sometimes you could just be flat out in the Lord's presence and it's just so intense and you're just crying and you just are so overcome and overwhelmed right that's an encounter with God the point I want to make about encounters though is big or small one's not better than the other one isn't more important. They're not even the focus because Jesus is the focus, right? The encounters, they just give us the language so we can convey what's happened. And so, all throughout Scripture, and I can't, I would love to do a sermon on all of these encounters, but I do not have the time. However, I do want us to look at some. Um, I'm just going to go through a couple because in each encounter, God's always revealing a specific part of Himself to us. And so um, we're just going to go through these. Uh, Adam and Eve, Genesis chapter 3, the fall. They, you know, they ate of the fruit. They, um, you know, took matters into their own hands, if you will. Um, and so instantly, what? They're afraid, they're shamed, they go into hiding. And. Um, you know, they hear God coming in the garden. And um, what I love about this encounter is God doesn't leave them hiding in their shame. He doesn't leave them in their guilt, in their condemnation, but He, he calls them out. He, um, he calls them out, He covers them, He clothes them, um, He sends them out. But in that moment, I love that they saw God. Yes, they saw Him probably as like a big, not as big, sorry. As a parent, you know, when you, your kids are doing something silly or they're doing, you just hear stuff's going on and what's going on? You know, you kind of storm upstairs. And so God kind of stormed in in that moment as like a father, right? But then they also got to see the side of God where he was their rescuer, their redeemer. He sent them out with a promise. And so they saw that new side of God. Um, Hagar, you guys know the story of Hagar. So Abraham and Sarah, God gives them a promise. And what do they do? They take matters into their own hands. Sarah tries to say, let's make this happen with Hagar. Let's ignore what God told us. We're going to make this happen with Hagar. Could say a lot more about that, but there's children in the room. You guys get my point. And so, (laughs) Hagar has a child. Sarah is horrible to her, sends her away, blames her, takes it all out on her. Um, In Genesis chapter 16, verse 13, The Lord appears to her. This is the first time in scripture where the angel of the Lord, God's presence, has ever appeared to anybody. And she is also the first person in scripture to ever name God. She names him as Elroy, the God who sees me. Moses, Exodus 3 through 4, burning bush moment. Does anybody ever feel like they can relate to Moses? Because I sure do. God appears to Moses in a burning bush, right? Right. He, Moses realizes he's standing on holy ground, takes his shoes off because he's encountering God's presence. God calls him to do some crazy, crazy amazing things that are far above his qualifications and comfort zone. Um, You know, and then he goes and he goes to Israel and he tells them, this is what God told me to do, this is what's gonna happen, and in the end, they all worship God. Uh, Gideon, he's another person. God calls way out of the comfort zone. He, uh, Judges 6.24, he builds an altar at the place where God encounters him and he calls it the Lord is peace. Psalms is full of David's many encounters. Uh, God is his shield, his strength, his rock, the king of glory, his shepherd, his light, his salvation, his refuge, his fortress, his hiding place, his help, his deliverer, his very present help. Um, Can go on and on and on. Of all these ways that god is revealing a specific part of himself to someone Uh, mary uh, in luke 1 26 to 38 gabriel appears to mary he tells her that she is going to be the mother of god's son her response yes i will be a mother for the lord as his servant i accept whatever he has for me may everything you have told me come to pass then she goes to elizabeth right Um, Scripture says that in Luke 141 that when Elizabeth heard Mary's voice, the baby within her womb jumped and kicked. And suddenly, Elizabeth was filled to overflowing with the Holy Spirit. She then goes on to prophesy to Mary. And then Mary follows that with her prophetic song. We also know that as her Magnificat, right? And she starts off by saying, My soul is ecstatic, overflowing with praises to God my soul bursts with joy over my living God. Do you guys see the pattern here? That every time God encounters them and reveals a specific part of himself, their response is worship. Jesus is, I love this moment. I call it Jesus's mic drop moment in scripture when he shows up into the synagogue. This is the start of his uh, ministry. They hand him the scroll from Isaiah and he says, I'm anointed, this is in Luke 4, 16 through 21. He goes, I'm anointed to be the hope for the poor, healing for the brokenhearted, new eyes for the blind, to- and to preach to prisoners. You are set free. I have come to share the message of jubilee for the time of God's great acceptance has begun. He then hands him the scroll and he says, today this has been fulfilled in your midst. Boom. Peter, walking on water, Matthew 14, 22 through 32, right? The, uh, uh, the disciples, they see Jesus walking on water, freaked out, and Peter says, Lord, if that's really you, call out to me. So he does, he says, come and join me. Peter, what does he do? He starts to walk out. He's walking, and he's walking, and then for a second, what does he do? He takes his eyes off Jesus, and what happens? He slips, he starts to sink, he starts to drown, and scripture says Jesus immediately, stretched out his hand lifted peter up jesus says to him what little faith you have why would you let doubt win scripture goes on to say the very moment they stepped onto the boat the raging wind ceased then all the disciples bowed down before him and worshiped jesus they said in adoration you are truly the son of god um almost done jesus healing many matthew 15 29 through 31 Jesus heals all of these people. The scripture says at the end of that, for three days, everyone celebrated the miracles as they exalted and praised the God of Israel. Jesus hearing, you know, the paraplegic man, um, the woman at the well. In that moment, he revealed himself to her as the Messiah. Uh, Jesus' resurrection. I love the story when Jesus appears to Mary, you know, the women. They immediately, scripture says, they grasped his feet in adoring worship. Paul on the road to damascus you guys remember paul's story he his conversion right god meets him blinds him with his presence saul saul why are you persecuting me um you know tells ananias this guy's coming take him in um he takes him in um you know paul, saul change, turns into paul um scripture says the end of this is if you want to read it's in acts 9 thirty one through 31 but um The end of all of this big story, you know, he escapes out of Damascus, all of this, the church is growing, they're being filled, empowered, encouraged by the Holy Spirit, and says they worship God in wonder and awe. So God is longing to encounter all of us and reveal a specific part of himself. Not that he gives himself to us in pieces, but I believe there are moments in our lives when God wants to give. He already knows what we need, and so he wants to give that very specific part of himself. And What I love so much about that is we don't have to draw from reserves. Have you guys experienced the Lord's peace before? You've experienced God's peace, but then when you need it again, it's like you're experiencing it for the first time ever, right? You don't, it's not like the Lord gives you his peace, and then when you need it again, you gotta draw from reserves. God's always there to give more, and so there's more, always more with God. Um, okay, so next we've got so worship is an encounter with God that leaves you changed forever. Worship is also a free gift. John five ten through fourteen. So this is during Jesus' encounter with the woman at the well. Um, And I'm gonna read, I don't, yes, I'm sorry, I don't have it up on the screen, but I'll just read it to you guys. It says, um, this is when, you know, Jesus is asking her for a drink, she's, why are you asking me for a drink? I'm Samaritan, you know, they're having this little tense conversation going back and forth. Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give you living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket, and the well is very deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it himself, along with his children and livestock? Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. But if anyone drinks the living water, I give them they will never be thirsty again. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, flooding you with endless life. We're gonna come back to this part with the Holy Spirit in just a little bit, but I just want you to remember, worship is a free gift, Holy Spirit, endless life, all right? But we're we're gonna circle back to that a little bit. Um, Okay, so worship is also a relationship. John five twenty three through 26. From now on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with a right heart. For God is spirit and he longs to have sincere worshipers who adore him in the realm of the spirit and in truth. The woman said, this is all confusing, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking with you. I am the one you're looking for. And so when God, I love the relationship part of worship because when God reveals himself to us, when he encounters us in that specific moment, when he reveals, gives that specific part of himself, our perception, our understanding of worship shifts it goes from i 'm just worshiping God because well he 's God, and this is just what I do We're, you know i 'm praising him, I thanking him to now it goes to i'm worshiping my father i 'm worshiping." My love. I'm worshiping the one who's given me grace, joy, my peace, my strength. You guys see how that can shift our perspective? Um, all right. Worship is also active. John 5 28 through 30. All at once, the woman left her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, Come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to go see Jesus. In that moment, worship for her was active. God had revealed himself to her as the Messiah. What did she do? She went and told everybody that she had just met the Messiah. She, if you could say, she was the first evangelist, if you will. Um, So I want to sit here for just a little bit. Um, The Lord's given me a lot that I want us to kind of look at in this part where worship is active. I want us to think about our posture of worship and how we approach it. Our willingness to participate is going to affect our worship, if that makes sense. When we come to worship, we need to come with expectation. I want you to think of it as leaning into, right? We're leaning into God's presence. We are, um, we are participating. We're, um, yeah, we're leaning into. Um, it can also look like we're laying down something, okay? Worship is very active in the sense that maybe God wants us to lay down our fears. Our insecurities whatever is keeping us from him whatever is keeping our hearts from him laying it down that is active worship um, I'm gonna say something religion loves to keep us restricted in our worship I say that again religion loves to keep us restricted in our worship we like to think maybe we've been taught maybe we don't understand we gotta be quiet we can't draw attention to ourselves we don't want to be making a show that is restricting you from entering in leaning into the presence of God that is already around you we need to be okay with being uncomfortable in worship being uncomfortable is going to look different for all of us, it can even look different for you at different times. Um, I don't mean crazy, but I do mean uncomfortable. So maybe some of us raising our hands in church, that can be extremely uncomfortable. The way I was raised, you don't do that. You were being showy, you're drawing attention to yourself, you were putting on a show, okay? For me, the Lord has brought me a long way where I do not feel restricted to participate to praise my God with my hands up, okay? But that is an example of how I was uncomfortable for a long time with being okay with raising my hands in worship, okay? Maybe it's the opposite. Maybe you grew up and that's just normal. That's just what, that's worship, right? Um, My husband, that would be his experience, okay? He grew up, hands up, dancing, all kinds of things. That's normal for him. Maybe uncomfortable, if, the, if that act of worship is for you, maybe uncomfortable for you is learning to be still in God's presence. Maybe it's sitting and being still and being okay if you're not doing anything. Maybe it's being vulnerable. Maybe it's letting yourself cry in front of other people. For some of us, maybe it's actually singing. Singing loud enough that other people can hear your voice and not being worried about how your voice sounds because there is power when we all join together. There is power when we raise our voices and when we are praising and worshiping God. There is power in that. I don't care what your voice sounds like when we are all singing together there is power to that And so that is active worship um giving up control is another form of active worship giving up control i think sometimes we don't even realize that we're trying to control worship but kind of going back to what i was saying about religion Religion and control love to try to squish worship and squish it down and push it in this pretty little box. And this is what we do and what we don't do. We also need to be willing to give up control and our hearts and our minds where we are being where we are responding, okay, to the Holy Spirit. Like I said earlier, being okay with raising your hands. That's giving up control in a way, right? That is giving up your control. You are being vulnerable before God Almighty. You are being expressive. You are being responsive. You're responding to what the Holy Spirit's doing inside of your mind and in your heart. The Holy Spirit loves guys. He loves to nudge us. He loves to draw things out in us, but we've got to respond. It is a relationship. Yes, he will grab us and he will draw us in, but we do have a, a, a part to play. not I don't mean in works-based either. We're going to get to that. But we do have a part to play in responding, in receiving, in accepting, okay? Um, that's, that's a huge part of praise. Praise is a response in worship. Praise is a lot of times a choice, Right? There are many times where I'm going through something in life, and I'll be honest, I do not feel like worshiping. I do not feel like praising. But it is a choice because praise is um, it's active. When we praise, we are speaking out power. We are speaking out power to our situation. We are proclaiming. We are calling things forth. And so praise is very powerful. It is a response, and then it brings power. It's an overflow. Praise should always be an overflow of what the Holy Spirit is doing. Okay? It's also a shield. We, you know that's a common line in a lot of worship songs. You know um, how "weapon is a praise" was well, actually true. When you're going through something, there's something so powerful about praising because you're telling not only your situation but you're reminding yourself of who your god is who you are trusting in and why okay um it yeah it, it also shifts it shifts something in our hearts when we praise and so um yeah so worship's an invitation to lean in um sorry i just got, i got caught up just coming back to this part this is oh yes Okay, so this is another thing where worship can look active. Have you guys ever found yourself in a moment of worship? Maybe there's a song playing or maybe it's a song at church, and I'm going to preface it. What I'm saying by a song, I'm meaning a song that's great, uh, based in the gospel, based in grace, okay? Because, yes, there are some songs that might stir something up inside of us, because it is not anchored in grace, right? I'm not referring to that, okay? What I am referring to, has there ever been a song where you hear that and there is tension? You hear that and you're like, well, that's not true. That doesn't apply to me. I don't see that happening. That might be true for them, but that is not true for me, Lord, and I am not singing that because that's a bunch of malarkey. I have been there plenty of times, okay? What I want to encourage you from our story, this whole encounter with Jesus at the well with the Samaritan woman, it started out with a lot of tension. Jesus being there, a Jewish man interacting with a Samaritan woman was like, what? She was thrown off by his very presence not to mention she had all of her other stuff going on and she was there when no, at a certain time of day when nobody else wanted her uh, uh, nobody else was there so she could go there because she got all this other stuff going on and so anyway jesus talking to her she was kind of like wait what's up with this man you're telling me about this water and i'll never be thirsty again right their their conversation got a lot of tension and so what did she do? Jesus was so relentless. She kept leaning in they kept going back and forth and she kept Leaning in and I love how Jesus was so relentless with her. I love how relentless he is with us When we keep leaning in no matter how hard how uncomfortable it is how painful it can be when we lean into the tension the tension leads to a revelation and so I want to encourage you. When you find moments, it doesn't necessarily have to be in a worship song. Life's going to bring up those moments too, right? But when there's that tension, lean into the tension because the tension will lead to a revelation. It might not be immediately. Sometimes it can be. Sometimes it is. Other times, the Lord's wanting you to lean in. Because he's doing other stuff in your heart and mind you don't even know that he's doing. He's pulling other stuff out you didn't even know was there. And at the end, it's going to be a giant, massive, amazing revelation, right? But the point is, lean in to the tension. Um, okay. So we talked about a lot of things that worship is. Now we're going to talk about worship, what worship is not. And I'm going to preface this. I might step on some of you toes. And... <laughs> I say this in love, okay? So, worship is not, number one, worship is not a performance. John 4, verse 21, believe, Jesus responded, Believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you will worship the Father, neither on a mountain nor in Jerusalem but in your heart. See, she and Jesus were having this little exchange of, you know, well, Samaritans worship on the mountain, and Jews worship in Israel, and where, where it supposed to be. And Jesus is telling her, it is in your heart. And so, worship, guys, is not a performance. Worship is not meant to be a talent show for Jesus. Worship... We are doing worship. We are on the stage. Can actually, can I just call the stage what this is? The stage is an altar. This is holy ground. We are on the stage worship team, whether you're singing or you're doing an instrument. We are leading people with our worship. We are leading people with our worship. We've got to make sure that we are worshiping God with our heart and with our mind, that we are not on, up here for any other reason other than to be leading people deeper into the presence of God. If we are up here for any other reason, then we are not truly worshiping. The flip side of that, when I say how this is not a talent show, worship team can't be dragging everybody, right? We can lead, but it's not meant to be a performance where we just are up here and we're just singing a couple songs and everybody gives us a 10 or a five or Whatever that may be. Or, I'll say this, where maybe we're just judging the whole time. And if we're doing that, if we're judging and we're being cynical, then we're no longer worshiping. We're worshiping cynicism. We are worshiping uh, judgment. We're worshiping all of that. So even that, okay, guys, That's, that is not worship as, all, as well. Um. um yeah, I just yeah, there's just something beautiful about it takes the pressure off that worship isn't a performance. And so, when we are up here, we come with the expectation to lead people with our worship to lead them deeper into the presence of God and that we we trust the Holy Spirit. That all, all the the encounter all that's on the holy spirit right and so we we got to learn to um to lean in to pause and to see where the Holy Spirit wants to lead it um, okay next we're gonna go to worship is not works based I kind of got ahead of myself I got excited I quoted this first but I'm gonna say it again um, John 4:20. so tell me this Why do our fathers worship God on this nearby mountain? But your your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship. Who is right? Okay, so worship, I've already said this a few times, but it's not just a Sunday morning experience, right? It's not something we just do. We go to church, we sing through songs, uh, we go home, we go about our week, and then we come back next Sunday and then we sing our three songs again, no. It's not a church ritual. It's not a formula. We're not even, we're not trying to create some formula where, man, God moved so mightily and powerful last week. What, let's, let's replicate that. Let's sing that song and, and here we did this. No, it's not a formula. It's not a ritual. It's not, we're not trying to conjure up some response from God, right? There's no, um, There's no earning it. There's no um, trying to make it happen. The Spirit's going to move. The Spirit's going to move. He's just waiting for us to come along, right? Um, Okay, here's another point. Where there's a little bit of, okay, Lord. All right, I'm going to say it. All right, so, so many times, during worship, we get focused on making it all about the cross. Now, what I mean by that, and I'm not saying we shouldn't praise God and thank God for his incredible free gift that we can never fully comprehend truly, right? But when we get stuck at constantly feeling like we have to thank God that we can never try to measure up that we have to thank God enough well guys we can't his love for us is unconditional Jesus died on the cross thousands of years ago before any of us were ever born that gift and act of love that's always been there I mean it was there thousands of years before we were born and so Yes, we can praise God and we can thank him for that, absolutely. But God doesn't want us to stay there. He doesn't want us to get stuck there. Can you imagine if I told Logan, Logan, thank you so much, honey, for coming, for, for coming back for me from New Zealand, for leaving up paradise, which it actually is paradise. But can you imagine if every day, honey, thank you so much for leaving New Zealand. Thank you for coming back for me. Thank you for choosing me. Gosh, you chose me. You wanted to be with me. And can you imagine if every day I just kept thanking him for that, when in reality, yes, he came back for me. Yes, he chose me. But he also asked me to be his wife. We also got married. He actually started a family with me. We have built a life together. We have been through so much together. He's wanting to build a life with me. You see what I'm saying? It's the same in our relationship with God. There is so much. Much more that God is wanting to experience with us when he reveals to us that specific part we respond in worship we build a life of worship with God of worshiping God of experiencing him and so um, we need to be careful that we don't get stuck there because when we do we turn it into works based When we can't, um, when we focus on giving God all the glory for an act of love, he created us to know him, to be loved by him. He created us so that we could know and love him. God doesn't need us to affirm him God knows who he is. People have been worshiping God years and years before the cross. People in the Old Testament were worshiping God. And if it was before the cross, what were they giving him glory for? What, why was he worthy of their worship? What was he doing that was rendering their worship, guys, if this was before the cross, right? We were made to be known and loved by God. God wants us. And so when we change it from, okay God, I'm just gonna give you all the glory for this. Why is God worthy of your worship today? What has he done in your life that makes him worthy of your worship, your adoration, and your praise, specifically? And if you don't know, that is okay, because I believe that God is going to get ready to encounter you and show you. But we have to learn how to lean in, lean into those moments with Him. And so um, we're gonna flip over a little bit to why do we struggle with this, right? Why can worship still feel like it's a struggle? Well, we just talked about it being workspace, that's huge, right? Um, but I think another reason why we can struggle with worship is there's a disconnect with the Holy Spirit in us we don't maybe understand the relationship that we have with the Spirit or the role that the Spirit plays with worship, okay? Um, Just like in John 4, the verse that we keep coming back to, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place but with the right heart, for God is a Spirit and He longs to have sincere worshipers who adore Him in the realm of the Spirit and truth. I can't do a whole sermon on the Holy Spirit. I'd actually love to, surprisingly. For someone who doesn't like to talk much. Um, but there are a couple things about the Holy Spirit that I want us just to touch and touch on. That will kind of help connect the Holy Spirit's role with us with worship. And our relationship with worship. Okay. So the Hebrew word for spirit is actually ruach. And I hope I said that correctly. But it's the word used to describe God's personal presence. I love that. it's His personal presence presence, okay? Um, We're going to skip ahead to the New Testament because Jesus prophesies to the disciples about the Holy Spirit. He prophesies to them about the Holy Spirit in John 14, verse 16, and he says, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another Savior, the Holy Spirit of truth, who will be to you a friend just like me, and he will never leave you. Other translations refer to the Holy Spirit as counselor, encourager, comforter, advocate, intercessor, or helper. Um, Skip ahead a little bit, you know, so Jesus tells, you know, he's leaving, he's got to leave so the Holy Spirit can come, which, you know, how, how many times do we think like, gosh, I would have loved to have been alive when Jesus was walking on the earth? Yes. But take that a little bit further. Yes, we might not have been on earth when Jesus was alive and Jesus was walking on the earth, but we have his Holy Spirit, his presence, living inside of us. If you are in relationship with God, if you have accepted Jesus' gift of love and grace and redemption and forgiveness, if you have entered into that relationship with him, then you have the gift of the Holy Spirit. God's presence is always with you. He says he'll never leave us. He is always with us. Um, and so, you know, the Holy Spirit in Scripture showed up in Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. That's like a Jewish, Jewish festival that was happening. Um, you know, a Holy Spirit appeared and um, crazy things happened, and he was filling in, equipping everybody. Um, John 4, I read a little bit ago about the free gift part. Holy Spirit, gushing fountain of endless life. The Holy Spirit is so key to us experiencing the free gift of worship because we we experience it with Him and through Him. Um, Romans 8, I wanna read Romans 8, 26 through 27 to you guys. This is another scripture that beautifully describes the Spirit's role. It says, and in a similar way, the Holy Spirit takes hold of us in our human frailty to empower us in our weakness. For example, at times we don't even know how to pray. Anybody been there before? Multiple times. Or know the best things to ask for, yes. But the Holy Spirit rises up within us to super intercede on our behalf, pleading to God with emotional sighs, too deep for words. God, the searcher of the heart, knows fully our longings. God knows us, God knows you. God knows the longings of your heart. Yet he also understands the desires of the Spirit because the Holy Spirit passionately pleads before God for us His holy ones in perfect harmony with God's plan and our destiny The nearness of the Holy Spirit that he intercedes on our behalf guys that he knows the longings of our heart It is a beautiful thing to think that that is how near God is always to us um, I want us to read Romans eight thirty eight 38 through 39 it's uh it's gonna kind of help see the the grace that we can find in worship right I love this passage of scripture so much it says so now I live with the confidence that there is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love I'm gonna read that again There is nothing in the universe with the power to separate us from God's love. I don't know if I'll ever truly fully comprehend what that means. Nothing can separate us from God's love. I'm convinced that his love will triumph over death, life's troubles, amen to that, fallen angels or dark rulers in the heavens There is nothing in our present or future circumstances that can weaken his love. Nothing can weaken his love. Nothing we do can weaken his love. There is no power above us or beneath us. No power that could ever be found in the universe that can distance us from God's passionate love which is lavished upon us through our Lord Jesus, the anointed one. What I love about that verse reading it in the context of worship and how we've been talking about worship as relationship is, you know, we touched on a lot of those cool encounters that people had with God in the Old Testament and how they were worshiping pre the cross. But unlike in the Old Testament where God's spirit would show up and then maybe it would leave, right? or He would encounter people. But before the cross, there was no Holy Spirit, right? So God's presence would come and go. It just just would. But now, because of Jesus' death and resurrection and grace and the gift of the Holy Spirit, we have direct access always. We don't have to wait for God to show up. God is already here and He is longing to show up even more. So we're gonna get ready to transition. And I have an analogy that the Lord gave me that I wanna share with you guys. Um, And I want you to picture that you're at an airport. Now, if you've never flown before, or if you hate flying, stick with me because I still think you're gonna, you're still gonna, it's still gonna apply, okay? And so, I want you to imagine that you're at an airport and you've been given your boarding pass and your ticket. Now these were both free. You did not have to purchase them. You did not have to earn them. They were a free gift, all right? Now I want you to picture Jesus is at the gate. Jesus has given you those tickets. He has given you that free gift. And so it is now your choice if you're going to choose to get on the plane because when you're flying, there's a little bit of a process, right, that happens. You're sitting down for a while you're waiting for it to be boarding time and so um, you know they're saying the planes getting ready to take off and it's kind of like at worship at church right we do our call to worship we're getting ready to worship you know we're c- telling everybody it's boarding time. times time to get on well we can drag you on that plane you have to choose to get up you have to go to the gate and you have to hand them your ticket you have to choose to get on the plane but here's the other thing you can be walking to get on the plane, and nope, I can't do it. I'm turning around, freaked out. I don't want to go on an airplane because I can't control being on an airplane, right? When The Lord gave me this analogy. I was like, well, Lord, why does it have to be an airplane? It could be a bus or a boat or, you know, why the airplane? And you show me the reason for the airplane. Guys, when you're flying, you're not in control at all. You cannot alert the driver of the bus, I gotta get off, I, I, I wanna get off, please stop, I wanna get off. You can't tell the train, hey stop. Any other type of transportation, you might feel a little bit more grounded, so we might feel a little bit more in control, right? But on an airplane, you're in absolute zero control. Your trust is in that pilot. And so, you gotta choose to get on the plane, not to turn around and get off at the last minute. When you get on the airplane, everybody's got first-class, ex- all-exclusive trip, right? Because it is a free gift. Everything you need on that airplane is already there. I talked a little bit earlier about baggage that we might bring into worship. You don't need to bring any baggage on this trip because everything you need on that airplane is already on that plane. Where that plane is going to take you, everything that you already need is already there. You don't need to bring anything on that plane other than yourself and so when you're on the airplane you know the flight attendants they're kind of like your worship team right and if you've ever flown before how boring is your flight if you are so focused on those flight attendants trying to help everybody get comfortable trying to enhance their flight yes but if you're just focusing on them how can you enjoy your flight how can you look out the window and see the sun, the clouds? If it's a night flight, how can you see the stars? If you're just watching those flight attendants handing out drinks and helping this person and they get out of the bathrooms here and leading the flight, you know, leading people this and there. If you're focusing on them, you're gonna have a very unsatisfying flight, right? And so, yes, they're there to enhance, but they're not the pilot. They might have an idea of where that plane's going, but how many times when you're flying, do you get rerouted? There might be something going on with the weather. Nobody knows except that pilot. And so even the flight attendants and the co-pilot, they're all looking to the pilot. They are all trusting and relying on the pilot because the pilot's got the final say. The pilot guides is the Holy Spirit. Okay? And so the beautiful thing about at the end of a flight, when you get off a plane, when you're done flying, wherever the Holy Spirit wants to take you, right? But in real life actually as well. When you get off and you're getting off the plane, what do you see? You see the pilot's face. At the end of your flight, I don't know if I've ever flown in a long time without seeing the pilot. I've never known the pilot of the plane that I'm getting on. I'm just trusting Him and His ability to get me to where I need to go. And at the end of the flight, that is when I see His face. That is when He reveals Himself to me, just like in worship. At the end is when God encounters us and He reveals that part of Himself to us, His love, His mercy, His grace, His peace, His truth, His strength to you, Your protector, Your redeemer, Your Father, Your Savior your grace, your love, your peace, your hope, your forgiveness, your joy. I have been every single situation of that analogy I just walked you guys through. I shared earlier that how I grew up, I loved to worship. I loved listening to worship music, but I restricted myself and I didn't even know it was the religious environments that I was in, okay? But I, restrict, I restricted myself and I was restricted. The older I got um, and learned more about worship, uh, when I met Logan, actually, um, we were in New Zealand. And even before that, when we were dating even. We'd be going into worship. You know, he'd slip his shoes off and take his watch off. I'm like, whoa, slow down. What are you, what are you doing? Right? And it wasn't out of works it wasn't trying to I'm gonna be the cool kid and I'm gonna do all this stuff cuz I'm you know the cool kid he was responding to the Holy Spirit's urging and invitation drawing him and for him in that moment that was his active worship early marriage we were married and I was pregnant with Evie and we were at church it was during worship and I'm standing there I remember when I got to the point I was like Oh yeah i have my hands up to the side look at me jesus right and i remember logan he picked my hand up and he raised it up with his and i was like mortified guys i was like what are you doing everybody's gonna be looking at me i feel so vulnerable right now what in the world he was trying to get me on that plane we were in the same room we had been given the same boarding pass, the same ticket, the same free gift to enter into worship, to get on that plane. And we were having a completely different experience. He was willing to follow the Holy Spirit, to participate, to lean in, to respond, to be active. And he was trying to get me on that plane, to tug me on. We can't force me on that plane. And so my worship experience for him in that moment was very different. I was restricting. I was limiting myself. Fast forward the last step, probably seven, five years from that point, okay, God took me into a desert, spiritually speaking, where my heart with Him and faith and everything and just the only way I could describe it to you would be a desert. I never let go of Jesus. More importantly, Jesus never let go of me but I, where life and circumstances and people tried to squeeze and quench and restrict that passion that I had for him as a child because I fell in love with Jesus as a little girl and religion and life and circumstances tried to squeeze that fire in me, that love, that passion for God and for his uh, word and for worship and all of this. Until so I was literally in a desert, also lived in the desert, because Colorado's a desert. And um, until a year ago, and almost a year to the day of today, me preaching, actually, Jesus showed up in my living room. He showed up in the form of a friend, and he invited me to get on a plane. He... He healed my heart, He healed my mind, but He didn't stop there as He so often does. Not only did He heal my heart and did He heal my mind, but that that fire and that desire that I had for Him that I said life and religion tried to squeeze and put out of me, He lit it back up again. He revealed Himself to me in so many different ways. He revealed himself to me as the Jesus that I always knew him to be, but also the Jesus that I always hoped that he was, the Jesus that I had always been longing for. I never experienced the nearness of God that I had did in that moment. His presence in the room was so thick, it was so incredibly tangible. And then not only did he reveal All of this to me, and all of these beautiful, amazing sides of himself to me. But then he called me. He called me, and he asked me if I was willing to step out. If I was willing to get on a plane, spiritually speaking. A few weeks after that was going to be physically speaking, was going to be a plane to come here. And he called me in that moment. He called Logan and I in that moment and he reminded me that the desire that I had as a little girl to be in ministry to be, to love on people, to be used by God to share with people God's incredible love and grace and mercy and forgiveness that I had forgotten about, I had just let go of God reminded me that he hadn't forgotten about it and that it was time that it was time, and he said, Not only is your husband called, but so are you. And so we got on the plane, spiritually speaking and physically. And it has been one plane ride from that moment, the last year of encounter and encounter with God and I, of God drawing me out a little bit more, of God saying, Okay you step over here can you step here i revealed myself to you in all those amazing ways in your living room but don't stay in that moment in your living room because i'm calling you to more i want to reveal more to you i want to show more to you sometimes we get stuck on those big awesome amazing moments where god's revealed himself to us but he never wants us to stay there either because he's always calling us to more it's always faith to faith stepping stone to stepping stone mountain to mountain there might be valleys in between but he never keeps us in the valleys if you find if you feel like you're in the valley right now there is a reason there is a purpose and there is a plan and God is not going to forsake you he is not going to leave you in that valley my desert years if you will had such a huge plan and purpose that I couldn't even see or realize at the time and it wasn't until being on this side where I could look back and I could see oh my word Lord you were using all of that to prepare me for over here and that's just that That's, that's just who our God is that's how awesome and incredible and amazing and intentional that he is and so I want us just to sit in this moment. Okay? I want us just to sit in this moment for a little bit. and I was just, We're going to see where the Holy Spirit takes us. But I want you to imagine that you're at the airport. Maybe you know the plane that Jesus is asking you to get on. Maybe you don't. Maybe Jesus is just asking you to stand up. Because. Just like when a plane takes off, if you don't get on the plane, that doesn't mean you're gonna miss out and you're not gonna see and you won't experience because yes, you can see that plane take off. You feel the vibration. You're still going to experience God because that is just who our amazing God is. But I invite you to get on the plane that Jesus is asking you to get on and if you don't know what that looks like then I invite you to stand up what does active worship look like for you right now in this moment what is leaning into God's presence for you to look like in this moment if if it's something that you maybe you're struggling with or you need prayer for then this front's open there's people who will pray for you Maybe it's just a moment with you and the Holy Spirit. So we're just gonna we're just gonna sit. for joining us here at Prevail Church for this podcast. We hope this experience builds your faith and impacts your life. For more information about Prevail Church, visit us online at prevail.tv. Now let's tune in.